Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shanti, and I have, I feel like I'm going to have a very energetic and spicy podcast for you with Carlo and Thiel. She is the host of the podcast that has been downloaded over 10 million times, I'll say. Um, unfuck your brain. I say the whole word. I'm not anything out because I just believe that she's not going to bleep anything out. I'm actually really excited to have you on the podcast car and let me tell you why actually i'm going to start with a question can you define what a feminist is can you just give us the low down rundown because i don't think a lot of people really know yes that's a great question um i will say people obviously have different definitions but to me being a feminist really means that it's i want to live in a world in which nobody is kind of judged to be one way or another way ahead of time. Nobody is stereotyped based on their, you know, feminism is specific to gender and sex, but also extends to people being stereotyped based on their race or class or age or national origin, right? I mean, feminism is one slice of kind of, I think, of an overall array of movements that are about people having equal opportunity, not just kind of like, well, we say we'll hire whoever, that's equal opportunity, right? But really changing the systems of power so that, people truly do have equal access to opportunity. And for me, it means not having to, um, not having to conform to particular ways of being a woman or a man. Right. I mean, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that feminists kind of either think all women should be a certain way or hate men. Right. Or like, and it's neither of those things, right. It's about saying like, listen, Patriarchy meaning, and when I say patriarchy, that just means living in a society that was designed by men, designed by white men, right? We know, like, even politically in America 300 years ago, people of color couldn't vote, black people couldn't vote, and were enslaved, women couldn't vote. So it's like the people who made the rules originally, that those, that society and the way we're taught, it's not good for women or men, right? Men get taught a stereotypical way they're supposed to be a man that isn't, doesn't allow them to express their full humanity, and the same for women. So... Feminism is really about everybody being able to just be who they are and have equal rights and access and opportunities. Thank you so much for clarifying that, because I do think, like you said, people hear the word feminist and they think immediately girl power or all of these things when really it's about being your most authentic self. And we hear that a lot. And 
obviously in today's time, we want to motivate and inspire people. But I believe you have some really great tools and really great ways of getting that confidence out of people and women. I mean, when you go to your website, some of the things uh, I would say the testimonials on there are absolutely incredible in the way that people change their mindset. So, and, and what I want to say here is we hear a lot about life coaching. And sometimes I feel like the word or the, or the title life coach gets a bad rap, but you have a way of really life coaching people into really believing in who they are. What are your philosophies around life coaching and how do you actually bring people? And this might sound a little negative from the depths of (laughs) despair being like, I am living as loud as I fucking want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, life coaching, listen, I come from a family of, like, overachieving, a Jewish overachieving family. I went to Yale for undergrad and Harvard Law School. So you can imagine when I told my parents I was going to become a life coach, they weren't like, awesome, that seems like a really respected, amazing career that we're super excited about. Right? Like, I get the rap. That's because, you know, life coaching is not a licensed, regulated industry. So there's just people of any kind doing whatever can call themselves life coaches. For me, I think the biggest misconception is people think that life coaches like tell you what to do. Right. And my premise is always like people are smart and they generally know what they need to do. The question is, why aren't you doing it? Right. So like if you are struggling to find a job. It's not rocket science. You don't need to know that, like, you should probably send out some job applications, right? The problem is, why are you watching 10 hours of Netflix a day and not working on your job applications? And the answer to that, right, is what I get into, is the way that you're thinking, the thoughts you're having, how you're feeling, all of that internal work. So I don't ever tell people what to do. What I do is teach people how to think on purpose. Like, most of us are raised just thinking that, Well, if I have a thought, it must be true. Like, why else would I think it, right? We think our thoughts are like just true statements that we observe in the world or truths that come from the deep inside of us. And they're neither of those things. They're just electrical signals in your brain that have been created by how you were raised, what you were taught as a child, what society teaches you, right? That's where the feminism part comes in, what your friends say, what you watch on TV, right? All that gets programmed into your unconscious and then... It all comes out in your thoughts. So I really teach people how to become aware of what they're thinking. Most of us are not aware on a daily basis of what's going on in our brains and how to change those thoughts because my premise is that your thought is what creates the way you feel and that determines how you behave. So for instance, if you subconsciously, you're not even aware of it, are thinking, I'm never going to find a job. There's, you know, so many people are out of work right now. Like there's no way and I'm behind and I, whatever. You don't even know you're thinking that. All you know is like you keep watching Netflix and you feel shitty and you don't work on your job applications. Mm. But if we unearth that that's what you're thinking, now it all makes sense. If you told your brain that, of course you're not doing it. You've already told yourself it's hopeless, right? So we change the way you're thinking so that everything else changes. You feel better. You feel motivated. You feel inspired. You take the action of filling out all those applications. Then you get a job. So that is kind of the premise of the work. And then I bring a specific um, kind of feminist lens to it, which is teaching women how to identify all of the messages they've gotten from society unconsciously or consciously that they've absorbed and that are impacting how they think about themselves. So we identify those thoughts and then we can start to shift them. All right. Where do I sign up? (laughs) Uh, On fuckyourbrain.com. Plug right there. So there are a lot of people right now, especially listeners of Trust and Believe, because a lot of things what you said of what you just said is what people listen for. They want to have that belief system. They want to dive 
I say dig deeper as I have it right mm-hmm. here. They want to dig deeper into their life so they can actually find kind of like I always talk about everyone's foundation always needs a little bit more cement. If you think about mm-hmm. when the py- when the pyramids were built, you know, they had to really have this solid foundation in order to build up. And with that said, I want to go back to the foundation of you because a lot of people say, wow, she says really amazing things. And they probably think this about a lot of life coaches, but it seems that you're the foundation of why you got into this industry in the first place. It went against what your parents, you know, thought you would be. (laughs) What was the driving force? Like, what is the story? Because you have not only great things to say, but you have a powerful voice and confidence behind that. And I think I'm really interested to for people to hear the story of where that came from. Yeah. So I think that um, at, like the two tracks in life have always been super interested. I've always been very interested in psychology and like what just it's almost it's not just psychology it's kind of philosophy too which like most people think is not relevant to day-to-day life but it totally is like what's the good life what kind of what are we doing here why are we here what kind of life do you want to have why is that the kind of life you want to have right that's those are philosophical questions what does it mean to be a human how do we experience it most people are more engaged in philosophy than they think right it sounds like something old white dude studying a tower which it is but it's also right daily life so i've always been interested in that like what is making up this human experience I'm having? What is this? And how do I, and like you're having another one and how, how well can we explain our experiences to each other? Right. And then I've always been a feminist and very interested in kind of political and activism. And so I originally started with the kind of feminism. I mean, I'm still a professional feminist, but like the kind of policy and law being the, the professional path. And so I was, um, I worked in the reproductive rights and justice movement. So I used to be a, um, I went to law school and then I was a reproductive rights litigator. And then I was an academic. I used to do um, policy work, like law and policy theory, creating theory and then also trying to influence, you know, government. And, but the whole time I was still interested in psychology and I went to therapy. I sent myself to therapy in high school. <laughs> I told my parents I wanted to go, like, you know, I was going to therapy. I worked with coaches. I got into yoga. I got into meditation. You know, it's like all the things you do when you're like being a human, there just has got to be a better way to do it than this. This just can't be like, you know, like I, I just feel so crazy. There's got to be a better method here. So I like tried and did all those things you know, some of which were helpful, some of which were not. (laughs) And then I was um, actually running a think tank at Columbia Law School. And I, and I was just still doing all this stuff. And I came across my teacher's work. Her name's Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School, came across her work. And, you know, there's like a saying in yoga that um, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I'm sure that I had heard some of the stuff she was teaching at some point along the way, but I just like hadn't been ready to understand it. Or I just, who knows the way that, and she's a very also clear analytic teacher, which is how I think and how I teach. So it just, for whatever reason, finally kind of clicked for me that I could decide what to think on purpose. I didn't have to believe everything I was thinking. I was aware of the concept of neuroplasticity, which is your brain's ability to change, but I didn't really understand how to use it to my own benefit on purpose. It was just sort of like, well, I guess it might change if it feels like it or like something else happens to it. I don't know. And so I found her work. I started practicing. I was just applying it in my own life. I was planning to be a law professor. That's what I was on the career path to do. 
but it was so powerful and it really changed. I started using it first on, I did a lot of work on my family relationships. And I did a lot of work on my body image and it was so powerful that I just ended up feeling like it felt like the law and policy work I was doing was important and nobody else would do it exactly the way I would do it, but plenty of people would do it really well, close enough to how I would do it. Like it didn't feel like this sort of very unique contribution I could make to the world. It felt like, Someone else will take this job if I don't have it. They'll do basically the same thing in their own little different flavor. But with coaching, it felt like, oh, this is this huge need. I actually started coaching lawyers because that's what I had been, like very anxious, driven women lawyers. But even then, even before I got to Unfuck Your Brain, I just felt like, oh, nobody's doing this. And I don't think anybody else will. Like, it's actually, this is coming from my brain, my specific take on things, my specific experiences. And so... Yeah, that's how it started. And I just kind of was like, let's just quit and become a life coach like you do. And then, you know, everybody thought I'd lost my mind, which is totally justifiable. Uh, but, you know, now we're four or five years in. I run a seven-figure company. Everybody's kind of calmed down. And so <laughs> that assumes that it worked out okay. <laughs> worked out okay. Oh, worked out all right. <laughs> uh, you know, I really love how you say you change kind of change the word psychology into philosophy because people get really afraid when they hear psychology. People get really afraid when they hear therapy. And for somebody like you who sent this up to therapy in, a, in high right. school. Like you're crazy, something's wrong with you. Hey, yeah. and really tough thing to want to send yourself to. What is your philosophy? I mean, I know you talked a little bit about it before, but how, like, I think that's something really deep to dive into is people always think that they have when they're going through something it's like i have a psychological issue and it's like no like how do you how do you actually change your philosophy to better suit your day-to-day you know inspiration you know and confidence i mean i think for me my philosophy is that a good life is a life that is lived on purpose Mm. so it's not really um it's like i have my version second hold on let me let me let <laughs> but a good life is a life that is lived on purpose. That is, I'm going to sit in that for a second, but you can continue. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it sort of goes back to me being like, my job as a coach isn't to tell you what to do, right? I'm not like a good life is you should get married and have 2.5 kids and have this kind of job and have a 401k or, nor is it, you should live on the beach in a caravan. It's like, I don't, I'm agnostic about what it should be. And the world is full of people who have such different ideas about what their good life should be. And that's what gives us amazing diversity of experiences. So to me, it's really like, whatever you're going to do, I just, and I'm saying this to my clients constantly, like, I don't even care what you think. If you want to pick a thought that makes you feel terrible and shames your, like knock yourself out. But I want you to know you're picking it on purpose. It's not just happening to you. It's not out of your control you're picking it on purpose. So if you do want 2.5 kids and a 401k and a white picket house, I love it. Great. Some people should do that, but choose it on purpose, right? I think the most powerful part of this work for me has been discovering that all the things I think are just happening to me or that I can't control. Well, let me not say all of them. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you manifested your cancer. That's your fault, right? Like, I yeah. come from a I come from a Jewish tradition. We're only you know grew up like hearing about the Holocaust. A lot of terrible things happen in the world that we didn't choose. So it's not about like you make everything that happens to you happen. But it is. It's like some amount of things are just going to happen to you in your life. You don't get to control. Who wins this election? <laughs> if you get sick, 
if whatever, right? If there's a war, if there's a famine, like these are things we don't get to control, but we still can choose how we're going to show up for them. So Viktor Frankl, who was a, um, a famous writer who survived a, a concentration camp in the Holocaust wrote that um, the last freedom left to man is to choose his own attitude in the face of any set of circumstances. What book was that? Was that uh, Victor Frankl is the author. It's called his search for meaning. Yeah. A man's search for meaning. A yes. man's search for meaning. Yes. Book. It is incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's such a powerful book, right? Because he's living in just this most inhumane possible situation. And he says like, even here I get to choose. Do I choose despair or do I choose hope? Do I choose resilience or do I choose to give up? Right. And so I think the good life is any life that you choose on purpose that you know that you are choosing with intention. We don't always get to control what's going to happen to us. Some of it we can't, I think the truth is like we can control more of it than we think most of us, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. And so how are we going to, create the part that is ours to create and not just let that happen to us. Like those are the things we can create are like what kind of relationships we're in, what kind of career we have, right? The things that really are, I think, under our control. And then there's the stuff that every life involves pain and suffering and loss that we can't control. And how are we going to show up for that? So it's always just like, how can you show up on purpose and awake and with intention to handle whatever's coming and to make the change you can change? That to me is the good life that you've done it on purpose. I love that. And, and, uh, just kind of to go back to that book to give people kind of like a, a picture from what I remember when he arrived at the concentration camp, like they immediately saw where people were, like they split them in two lines. It's either like you're going in this line and you're going to live or you're going in that line and we're basically going to kill you right away. Yeah. And the power of his mind to stay the course and again do it on purpose even when they were walking and he was in pain or when that when his entire bunker everyone got was getting sick you know yeah. so i just i just recommend that book and i'm so glad you brought that up because it, it really re, I, you know i have on my arm conquer your mind and mm -hmm. i think that that book is just so <laughs> right it's just right in the pocket yeah. statement and also what you talk about which is choosing your life on purpose so i'm gonna take a quick commercial break and when we come back i do want to get into body image because there are so many people out there of all different fitness levels shapes sizes and heights that deal with the mean person in the mirror and when mm -hmm. we come back i want to dive into that Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are back and we are unpacking the negativity and we are unfucking our brain. Okay, with my girl Cara. I she's my girl now. You Absolutely. New York City. I can't wait to come to Manhattan again. We I just feel like I need to sit on that pink chair behind you and have a couple martinis. Oh, yeah, are you wearing is your sweatshirt? Is that Queens? Yeah, I didn't even see that. You're wearing your rep in Queens. I like it. Always. <laughs> love New York City so much. I It is a place for me 
it's just a place for me to just like live. I take the subway, I walk, I try, you know, I just kind of really enjoy the city. I love the sounds. Anyway, so when I come there, hopefully, and I'm being so serious, I hope I get to sit on that. Yeah, let's hang out. As soon as COVID is over, I'm down. I got to listen. I got a balcony in my new apartment. You can come before COVID. You just got to get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of martinis and things like that in the lovely city of Manhattan, there are a lot of people out there who may be thinking like, oh, I want to have a drink or I have this, but they have these body image issues. And you brought it up earlier. And it's such a it's it's a really important topic that I think is while you hear a lot of people talking about body image and they're working out or whatever, everyone suffers. Not everyone, but there's a, a large per- percentage mm-hmm. of people that suffer from body image issues. Can you tell me about your journey and how you yeah. moved your way to just feel good about who you are? Yeah. I mean, I think um, my I think that most people misunderstand what their body is and what it's for, right? So we're taught, especially women, but I think you know, the, I see this the most in men who are very into fitness or are, you know, potentially doing competitions or anything, you know, or are in a subculture where there's a lot of emphasis on physical appearance, like sure impacts men as well. Um, We're taught to think that our bodies are objects to be manipulated, right. To look a certain way. And that if we can just get them to look good enough, then we will feel good about them, right? So it's like exactly backwards. It's like your body's an object. A lot of people have this very adversarial relationship with their body. Like it's like not cooperating. It's not getting it where I want to be fast enough. It's not looking the way I want it to look. It's not feeling the way I want it to look. You get an injury or you have chronic pain or something, right? Or just you age like a normal person and your body changes from being 20 to 50, Like, it's coming for us all. Time is coming for us all. So you want to work this shit out now because you're not going to be 25 forever. And so people have this very adversarial relationship with their body where they think that their body sort of should look or behave a certain way. And if it's not like this, you know, something's going wrong. And I really try to teach people to shift more to a framework in which your body is a home, right? It's like the animal that you live in. And it's what enables you to experience everything you get to experience in life, right? And there's such a profound, I think, alienation that you experience when you have that adversarial relationship with your body because you are never at home because you are right resisting and rejecting the very form that you live in. And so I think that is like a shift that so many people need to make like anywhere along the kind of even people who aren't particularly disordered in their thinking or eating just aren't taught to relate to their body that way in our culture right this is a very western thing of like the body and the mind are separate it started in western philosophy thousands of years ago the mind is better the body is you know less it less kind of valuable like this is not this isn't true everywhere but it's true in most western speaking countries i think um so for me i ironically discovered thought work and my teacher in the last like weight loss course attempt i ever took so i've always been like a curvier woman and but i was always constantly trying to lose weight so i could finally be happy right and um my teacher is actually hilariously a very high profile weight loss coach (laughs) and I don't teach weight loss and I teach body positivity so it's a testament to thought work and how we can still be very close even though we like totally disagree about this thing Uh, (laughs) yeah so I like discovered her and she taught one of the reasons she's been so successful I mean we have our differences about you know long-term weight loss and how sustainable it is and whatever else but 
because she does teach people about their thinking, their feeling, what's motivating their behavior, right? All of that. So it was like, I learned that and I was sort of like, well, wait a minute. If you're, you're telling me, I mean, she'll teach you, right? That like losing weight's not what's gonna make you happy, right? And so I was kind of like, well, okay, then let's skip that. Like if I can change how I think and feel, and become happy that way. And the whole reason I was trying to lose weight is I thought that would make me happy. Then I don't, I'll just take this part. <laughs> I don't really need that part. And then it was around the same time I took a coaching program with another coach who's um, named Isabel Fox and Duke that had more, actually, to my mind, was less coachy, but had more of the political analysis of kind of, you know, how I was very aware of feminism and the sort of, the you know, I was sort of, I was already very aware of society teaches women to think a certain way about themselves, all of that. But I was, when it came to weight, I was totally just like still in the cult. Like obviously being fat is bad. Obviously it's ugly. Obviously you want to be as thin as possible. Obviously that's what makes you healthy or a good person or disciplined. Like I was just totally captured. I believed all the bullshit. And so it was sort of the combination, like going through those two teaching and learning experiences. When I put those together, that's when I really created, I think, a powerful third thing, which is using the kind of thought work, meaning like looking at what you're thinking, seeing how it makes you feel and act, like, you know, the cognitive psychology teaches that thought, emotion, behavior cycle, that plus this like political analysis of like, wait a minute, a lot of what we're taught about weight and health is actually inaccurate. There's a whole ideology here of like, we're taught this is obviously attractive. That's not true. What's considered attractive has changed in societies over time. Like just destabilizing all of those assumptions that we have. And I sort of went through all of that in a six month period. And then I started working on my own body image very intensely. And I think for your listeners, the most useful thing they could do, the thing that was the biggest, the most useful tool I used was a lot of what happens with body image is we feel we don't even have any idea how terrible we feel about our bodies. <laughs> We're like only aware of the top 10% of it. There's like a whole iceberg down there. And then all we see on like Instagram is like, we're supposed to love our bodies. And it's just like that gap is impossible. There's no way, right? Looking in the mirror and like chanting, I'm a beautiful goddess is not going to work when you actually think you're disgusting. So I developed this like very tiny baby step process of changing your thoughts, which I highly recommend, especially for body image work, which is using very neutral statements mm. to start shifting. So if you, if your thought is my stomach is disgusting, instead of going to, I'm a beautiful goddess, you practice thinking that's a human stomach. Many people have stomachs that look like this. People can have a stomach that looks like mine and still be an okay person, right? Or what it's like, I always say it should be so basic that it would be like, not, it would never make it onto like a Pinterest inspirational board. Yeah, like it should never be on Instagram on a beach background. Like it should not seem inspirational because that's what you're, you can actually believe. And that's what will slowly, slowly start to shift you to neutral. Mm. So for instance, if you're like somebody who is trying to reach a fitness goal or whatever, right. I mean, and you're having a lot of anxiety and self shame and blame about your progress, you can practice thinking something like, you know, hitting this goal isn't the only thing that makes me worthwhile, right? Or a person, I can still be, you know, good at this sport, even if I haven't hit that goal yet. Or it's like little baby, baby steps, right? To kind of shift you to more of a neutral place. That is, um, I've actually never thought of it that way. It's so interesting, because I actually have people do mirror moments. And I don't, I don't necessarily say, (laughs) 
<laughs> you're like, you're a beautiful goddess. I don't necessarily... <laughs> oh my God, you're a bikini model when you right. want to lose 45 pounds or whatever. But I, I tell them to go to something on their body that they do like. So mm-hmm. if you have day, it's just like... But I love the combination of being able to take kind of what I do, which is like, okay, I love my eyelashes or I love my makeup or I love totally. my... So also neutralizing it because I think that's very powerful to people to be like oh like my you know you have a human stomach I I love that or but the other thing that was like extremely powerful um, and this is what I took from it is you know I'm about I'm gonna tell you a little story maybe you you I'm about to go on a vacation right we've been in quarantine I haven't been out to the beach I haven't worn a speedo in a long time so on month on Sunday night I'm trying on different you know, outfits or whatever. And I'm with my husband and we're having this conversation and he's like, oh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. And instead of me just saying, oh, he doesn't think the bathing suit looks good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't look good. Right. Right. All of a sudden he hates me and thinks I'm terrible. And no. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get a divorce right now. He's texting the lawyer because of how I look in a bathing suit. I might as well just run out the house. Just burn the whole thing down. Just start now. (laughs) So, I was, but I had to immediately be like, no, like you, like, it's just like, this is the bathing suit. But the reason why I started thinking of that is kind of when you said, it's like, okay, maybe you have X amount of weight to lose, but the weight doesn't necessarily define the entire part of you, you know, or what you want to change or how, what you want to enhance about yourself doesn't represent all of you. I think that's kind of what people fall into. If people see me and I'm not at my fittest, they're going to think I'm, you know, lazy or whatever the case may be, which is not the case. So I just kind of love how you said to neutralize it. Um, and to understand why you want it in the first place, right? Because I go farther than even than you're going here. And I said, like, like, who cares if you lose the weight or not, really? Like, let's figure out why. Why do you want to, right? What are you making it mean? And I think it's like anything else in life that we think we want. When you really work through all your thinking about it, sometimes it does turn out you still want it. And often it turns out you only wanted it because you thought, well, when I get there, I'm going to feel good about myself. I mean, right, so many things we do in life, and it doesn't have to even be weight-related. Like, why do you want to get married? Well, you may have many reasons. Maybe you want a family, whatever. But also because you think then you're finally going to feel good enough. Like, we're not aware of these things that drive us, but humans are driven by this desire for perceived status in other people's eyes, which is really just our own thoughts, what we think will make us happy, all of that. And so I think I love what you're saying about, um, I think it's both. Like you want to appreciate the things you already like about yourself. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you don't change, it's like we think somehow that we can train our brains to criticize a part of our body every day until it's somehow we hit the point where it changed. And then like all of a sudden our brain's going to say something else. Your brain is a muscle. It's not really a muscle, but I've just used that as an analogy, right? But like you're creating a neural pathway, which means like your brain is good at thinking things. It's already thought it's, it gets habituated just like muscles do, right? So the first time you do a deadlift, you're like a total mess, right? And then eventually you can do it without really thinking that much about it until you go up and wait again, right? Same thing with your brain. So it's crazy to think, well, I'll just berate and criticize myself every step of the way until the scale hits that magic number and then I'm all of a sudden going to love what I see in the mirror. There's no fucking way. You've trained your brain to criticize yourself the whole way. So it's not switching over on that magical day to say only nice things to you, right? You have to love yourself first. And then you'll see sometimes you will still want to like drop the weight or get this kind of muscle definition or compete in that level jujitsu tournament or like whatever the thing is. Right. But like you can, you have to stop expecting that changing things outside of you, like including your body and how it looks or how it performs is what's going to make you feel good about yourself. It's the other way around. And to combine what you're talking about with uh, what you said earlier about the iceberg. So one of the things that I do during my Transformation Center weekends is I have a session called Dig Even Deeper. It's like the Dig Deeper session. And I actually utilize the iceberg Mm. as as the symbol of the session. And so those things that we tell ourselves, I'm not good. You know, just the things that we tell ourselves that make us feel bad or the things that are the result of making us feel bad, the insecurities, the, you know, not be wanting to speak up for yourself or whatever the case may be. I say, let's make pretend this is 10% of you. And then what I do is I go beneath the surface Mm -hmm. so that we can start to like figure out, well, what is the other 90%? Like, what have you done to get here? So, because I just believe that a lot of, why you feel the way you feel today is because of something under here that you suppress up maybe mm-hmm. so much that you can't even attach to it to be able to really make that positive change. So totally. uh, I, I mean, I just love everything you're saying about that. And we have like 60,000 thoughts a day or something. We're conscious of so few of them. You don't have to pay attention to all of them is the good news. It turns out like, I think everybody's got five to 10 negative thoughts about themselves that they think all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, like when people start doing this work, they're like, this is completely overwhelming. I have so many negative thoughts. I didn't even know I had, like, I don't have time to do anything else. I'm always like, it's just, there's like five thoughts and they're just wearing different outfits. If you just keep at it for a few weeks, you're going to discover it's all the same. Like, I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. I don't deserve this. I should work harder. Whatever. Right. It's like your brain is not, it's like both very simple and very complicated. <laughs> it's like a lot of noise and drama but really it's just a few self-critical thoughts you have that you have to shift and then huge areas of your life will shift when and oh my goodness you just answered one of my last questions which was how do you how do you shift it but it was it's (laughs) i love how you say it's 
just a bunch of different outfits. You know, you yeah. have these a bunch of different outfits. And I think it's, you know, like we talked about before, I think the podcast is like, well, let's go into the closet and pick our favorite outfits, the ones that's going to make us feel good and walk out with confidence. You shift it by just practicing. If that's like the one thing I would want people to take away and like, especially your audience, nobody goes to the gym and is like, all right, I'd like to be able to do this much in squats. So I guess tomorrow when I come back, that should happen. Right? No, you got to figure show up three, four, five times a week. Keep practicing, do your cross training on the other day. Like it's a process and you know, you got to do that to see results. And I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's movies or Freud or like people have this idea that, I mean, I think especially modern therapy sometimes teaches people that like once you have the insight and you see what your problem thought is, it should just like magically go away. Mm. But no, that's just like, if you go to physical therapy and they're like, Oh, here's your problem. This is why you're, this thing isn't working cleanly. It's because you have this misalignment. You're not like, okay, poof, fixed. You're like, Oh, now I got to do the exercises. So the same thing, like if you want to shift your body image, your self image, whatever it is, any kind of thought and feeling you have, you got to practice bit by bit. And that's why like little baby steps. Like if you want to, I don't know, deadlift your own body weight, you don't start with your body weight. You start with whatever you start with. I don't know, 20 pounds, 50 pounds. I'm sure I started with like one pound because I have a lot of chronic pain stuff. I don't even, my trainer's probably listening to this right now being like, Jesus, Cara, I tell you what you do all the time. You're embarrassing me. Like you got to practice bit by bit. And that's true for changing your thought process and your emotional state as much as it is for changing your body. Well, I don't think you're uh, letting your personal trainer down because you gave the deadlift analogy. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Is it a guy or girl? Yeah, she, her name is Nancy Brown. She's amazing. She is a very body positive uh, weight neutral trainer, which is exceedingly hard to find and should be more common. I mean, we could have a whole other podcast episode about that, but like. Well, we let's, let's do it. I'll come back anytime. <laughs> All right. I love to have you on the show. I just have a couple other questions, yes. which I already kind of plugged in the beginning. I already know <laughs> your brain.com, but where else can they find you beside the podcast and the website that they can get a little bit more, I say a little more piece of that inspiration. That's kind of it. Unfuck your brain is the podcast. I teach it's very concrete. I teach a lot of the tools I've talked about here in detail on the podcast. There's several about body image specifically, if those are things people are struggling with. Excuse me. Um, unfuckyourbrain.com. That's really it. I'm easy to find. See, I, I, I know you. I got it. I got We're it. All. <laughs> uh, and then the last question, which I always ask my guests is, you know, what is your definition of trusting and believing in who you are? Mm, that's such a good question yeah I think my version of that is I'm having your own back so for me what that means is I don't always trust myself to (laughs) even always accurately know what I'm thinking and feeling even though I'm a coach I've been doing this a long time I now having done that with the work to trust myself to never kind of abandon myself like to never throw myself under the bus for someone else never leave myself by the side of the road like especially women are really socialized to care more about everyone else's opinion than their own Mm. and to substitute everybody else's judgment of their life, of their body, of their whatever for their own. And so for me, always trusting and believing in myself just means I know that I'm not going to attack myself. Like I'm going to have my own back. I'm going to support myself. That doesn't mean I never have a self-critical thought. I still have a human brain, right? But I'm just never going to, I used to live and die by what other people thought and sacrifice what I wanted or what I thought or my own self-esteem or whatever to try to make other people think about me a certain way. And so for me, the 
like trusting and believing in myself means like I'm my own best friend. I've got me no matter what, no matter what happens in my other relationships and my career. If I lost the whole business and everybody I loved broke up with me and I had no more friends, I would have myself and I could start from there again. Cara, thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, so fun. I definitely could go for two more hours about Yeah, we got to do this again. We have a whole talk about the training industry. I got lots of thoughts. Everyone, I hope you had as much fun as I did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I definitely went into some internal struggles that I have as you were talking, Cara. And I just appreciate you coming on Trust and Believe. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. <laughs>